The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Bart Walker. Well, good morning to you. Welcome into the Action Line from WGNS. This morning, a program you really want to listen closely to. And I want to remind you again, this will be available in podcast format after the show airs. It's first time right now live. And local attorney John Day is with us. Hey, John, good morning to you. Good morning, Bart. Great to have you with us today. And the reason we were encouraging everybody to listen closely today, take notes on this, if you have a swimming pool, this, we hope it won't, but this could be a, a bit of information you desperately need. We're talking about safety and uh, what to do uh, if somebody is injured at your pool. Well, let's 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 uh, even go a step further back than that, Bart. Let's talk about trying to avoid the injuries in the first place. Very right? definitely, yeah. very definitely. Uh, the uh, the uh, the old joke is, uh, uh, not much of a joke, I guess, is it's better to have. Uh, uh, a fence at the top of the hill than an ambulance at the bottom. And the same thing goes with swimming pools. <laughs> it's better to have a fence around the, your swimming pool that you have at home than it is to have a, a tragedy occur on your property or to one of your family members. And that pool is calling out especially to young people, come and enjoy me. Uh-huh. Well, it's not It's not even just pools. It includes uh, other types of water features. It may be a hot tub. It may be a water fountain. I um, had a case against a Nashville apartment complex that had a big round water fountain feature, splashing water up into the air, and a three-year-old child drowned in that. Um, and so it, you, you'd ever think about those things. Well, they apparently did not. That's for sure. Um, but if you think about it for a three quarters of a second, you can see the problem. You can see the problem is that children are attracted to water. And if the water is moving, they're even more attracted to it because it's fun. Right. But the problem is that uh, a child can get in trouble pretty quickly and, and drown. And in that particular case, this three-year-old child, uh, without the back door of the apartment, um, mom can't be 100% vigilant all the time, mom or dad, right? In that case, it was mom. And she noticed the child was gone. Well, you go out the back door of the apartment. Which way do you go? <laughs> Left, right, or straightforward? She went to the right because the first thought, the first horror, was the pool. And the pool was off to the right. The child went to the left, and they lived near the front of the uh, the complex. And the child went, it's walked, got endways, went up a little, over a little tiny wall, and got into the uh, water fountain and drowned there. Mm. Didn't find him for a half hour. You never think about things like that, or most people don't think about things like that. But you think about a big fence around the pool, and st- should you have a fence around a water fountain? What would you do? Well, I'll tell you what we what we did in that case. Um, our argument was that they should have had a fence around it. Their argument was, listen, we're trying to make the pool 
I mean, the entrance to the to the apartment complex pretty. We're trying to make it look good. And therefore, if you put a fence around it, it's not going to look good. And uh, and besides that, they said the water in the pool is only 18 inches deep. So what is the hazard? And our solution, which um, convinced them that they should pay, quite frankly, was we said put a fence around it and then put shrubbery around it. All except for a little gate near the back, a self-closing gate where somebody could get in to maintain the pool. And we hired a student from Belmont who took a picture of the water fountain and digitally put in a fence with shrubs all the way around it. And Uh, it looked It looked beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't know there was a fence there unless you happened to see that small section where we had a gate installed for maintenance purposes. So our argument was that it was, uh, the legal term is an attractive nuisance to children, particularly small children. They had the risk, even though it was only 18 inches deep. The problem is that uh, if a child gets in there, they may fall and hit their head, and if they end up face down or even face up in 18 inches of water and they're a small child, they're going to drown, and that's what happened to this child. The frightening thing, after you're mentioning this, I started seeing in my mind what you're talking about all over town, from retention ponds, which are required in subdivisions, to uh, you know water features. Uh, at some beautiful businesses around the area, uh, fountains, things of that. I don't see fences. No, uh, they're not required uh, by codes or by local ordinances in many places. Uh, But the law actually requires uh, more. The law requires that you exercise reasonable care to protect your property uh, from causing injury to others. And this is what judges and juries are for. What is reasonable, right? What What is your responsibility? Uh, in, in the case that I just mentioned that took uh, place in an apartment complex in Nashville, uh, our argument was these people, this family, lived on these premises. The apartment complex had the responsibility to make that uh, water, that area, that uh, fountain, reasonably safe for people who might come into it. We used your argument. This is an attractive nuisance. Of course, a kid's going to want to get and play in the water. Uh, And therefore, even though the law didn't, the the codes passed by local government or local uh, government administrators didn't require the placement of a fence, uh, reasonable care did require it because it was foreseeable that something like this could happen. So, there is, I think everybody who owns property uh, has a responsibility to take a careful look at it and say, what have I created here and where are the potential risks, right? And then what can I do? Quite frankly, I, I said it at the time and I'll say it on the radio. I understood the the, the argument of the apartment complex. Listen, you know, it would look ugly to have a fence around this thing. And so we solved the problem of the fence farm. It wasn't ugly when we got done. 
and we were the, through the wonders of technology and a 19-year-old graphic artist, we were able to say, this is how you can fix it, and it would look attractive. What about a golf course that has a, a little pond in it for attractiveness? Well, I, I, let me say this. Just globally, there's lots, lots and lots of risks in the world, right? Sometime you, I'll have you over for dinner and you can sit down and, <laughs> and, uh, and listen to my daughter uh, talk about the problem of being the child of two personal injury lawyers. <laughs> she said it last night <laughs> at the dinner table. She said, when I tell people I can't do that and they say why, she says, because my parents are personal injury lawyers, right? So <laughs> to be sure, we see all sorts of hazards because we've seen lots of horrible things happen to people in rather ordinary circumstances. But a golf course, uh, let's we talk about a retention pond or just a pond for beauty uh, on a golf course, can that pre- create a risk to people? No doubt about it. Is the risk as high for children as is a backyard pool? No, because by definition, it's it's some distance away, right? There is some space between in many areas between the backyard where kids are going to be and a retention pond uh, on a pool or just a, some other water hazard. So, it what reasonable care would require would would be what homes are in the area are there children in the area have there been incidents of children getting into the pond in the past and you'd have to take all those factors into account in determining what's reasonable now you may say to me well john what's the reasonable property owner supposed to do (laughs) and i say to that you got to think about it and you got to pay attention and you got to look for indications that what you think is just an attractive feature on a golf course or whatever it is what risk does it present to people not just the adults who are going to hit a ball in there and the biggest risk of them is either falling in when they're trying to reach for their ball or getting angry and throwing their their club in the whole bag in the water feature, which my dad did one time, by the way. Um, or, but is it, what about kids? And what about the likelihood of their getting into this area? So it, I'm not saying it's an easy job for property owners. You know, it's really not. But it's something you got to think of. At an absolute minimum, you should comply with the local laws, local ordinances, or regulations. We have a text here from a listener, and I had not thought about this. These these are things that just pop up. They said that uh, they have always wanted to put a koi pond in for one reason or another. Usually they just haven't done it, period. Uh, but they were thinking about really doing that this year. Uh, does that bring around problems? Well, most koi ponds are relatively shallow. The ones I've seen, I've, and I've only seen two or three in, uh, uh, at homes of friends of mine. You'll see them. I don't think, in, I may, I, I agree, I mean, I want to say that I'm not 100% sure of this as I'm sitting here, but I don't think the ordinary koi pond, which is relatively small and relatively shallow, requires a fence. The only thing I would say about that is this. <laughs> If 
there is a small body of water in your backyard and there is no fence around your yard and it has pretty fish in it, which is why you build a koi pond, right? How's a kid three or four years old going to react to that? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that the fish is much more exciting, interesting. I want to touch the fish and bend over, and the, you can see a kid falling in, hitting his head, end up face down, and in five minutes, he or she's gone. So does that mean you shouldn't build a koi pond in your backyard? No, it doesn't mean that. You know, what it means is, do I already have a fence around my yard? Uh, does it have a self-locking gate on it? Uh, can I put some sort of feature around my koi pond to restrict access to small children? You don't have to worry about a 10-year-old in a koi pond. It's two, three, four-year-olds, right? The little ones. And, and just look at it globally like that. And if I had to guess, and I, I'm only guessing because I, I haven't looked it up, is that there are all sorts of recommendations online, and including on YouTube, that say this is how you can build a this water feature, a koi pond, and make it reasonably safe for people. Here's a, another comment, and this is uh, on with the koi pond. This person says, I'm not sure if the restaurant's still in town, but I remember as a child going to a restaurant that had a koi pond right next to the sidewalk that was going into the pool and into the restaurant. And they said it was always fascinating to stand and watch the fish. But it was right beside the sidewalk going in, and a kid could easily fall off of the sidewalk into it. So something, I mean, you never think about these things. Well, you don't, and part of that's good, right? Because it's, well, it, until it, something bad well, happens, it, and that stays with yeah, you forever. Where I was going with this was that I, I'm preparing for a trial next week, starts on Monday morning, and I... Um, we we go through life, right, assuming that other people are going to do the right thing. Um, the more we experience we have with bad things happening, the more we are aware that bad things can happen, and it alters our behavior, right? But just think about what would happen if we went through life assuming that people were always going to do the wrong thing. So you're driving down the road. And you're on your side of the road, and there's a, it's a two-lane road, and there's a driver coming at you. If you assume that other driver wasn't paying attention or was going to turn left in front of you, what would happen to traffic? It would all stop. <laughs> it would all stop. <laughs> because everybody would be concerned that there wasn't going to be an acceptance of the societal norm of staying on your own side of the road, Right. So traffic would slow. It would eventually come to a stop because everybody would be afraid that everybody else wasn't exercising reasonable care and following the law. And I, I guess I, I, I say the same thing here. We, we, we have to go through life assuming that people are going to do the right thing. But when we undertake to own a home or to start a business, we have to think a little bit more about am I creating something here that is a potential hazard to people? 
and what can I do that is reasonable to prevent injury and harm to those people that I know are going to be coming on the premises or in the case of a restaurant, I'm going to be inviting on the premises, right? And so somebody will say, somebody will come in, there goes John Day again. He's expecting people to do everything. It's going to raise the cost of chicken or whatever it is. The rest of it. And I'm saying, no, <laughs> I'm saying we have to act reasonably. And because and then at, at the end of the day, some judge or jury is going to be sitting there listening to all the facts and determining what's reasonable. And that's that's our rule of law in this country. It's helped keep us together for, you know, almost 250 years. Now, if you go by city codes and things of that sort, and you, you're right to the T of getting everything done in accordance with the law, with the codes, are you still at risk? You are still at risk, but you're at much, much, much less risk. First of all, you're at less risk that something bad's going to happen. So, for instance, if you follow the ordinances in this community, which require you to get a permit to have a pool on your property, which require you to have a four-foot fence around the property, which, which, which indicate how far apart the vertical portions of those fence, how far apart they can be so that little kids can't get through them, which indicate how high they can be off the grass or off the concrete, which require self-latching gates, the odds of a child other than your own getting into that pool and drowning are pretty dang low. So you're not going to have the problem. But does it necessarily mean that if you do everything right, you will not have a horrible thing happen on your property? No. Take the apartment complex that I mentioned before. Their defense was, we followed the law. The law doesn't require us to put a fence around this water feature. Except the law requires a little bit more than just following ordinances and statutes. The law requires reasonable care under the circumstances. Right? So you can be at risk even if you follow the ordinance. My point is your risk is greatly reduced if you do for two reasons. Number one, it's less likely that anything's going to happen. And number two, you can stand up in good faith and say, listen, the ordinance said a four-foot fence. That's exactly what we did. The ordinance said it. the slats had to be this wide. That's what we did. We followed the law, and that was reasonable under the circumstances. You did the best you can. Under the, uh, yeah, That was completely reasonable under the circumstances, yes. Tell you what, let's do. Let's pause, check on the traffic and weather. We'll come back and take more of your questions. Text them to us, 615-893-1450. That's 615-893-1450. We're talking about summer safety with pools, koi ponds, water fountains. I never would have thought of these. I'm, I was thinking pools, but, oh, man, <laughs> it's, it's a dangerous world. It's like out there. We'll be right back. John Day is with us. Get your good neighbor events to us in writing two weeks before they occur. We'll put them on the radio and the internet. WGNS, AM, FM, and online. 
WGNS is powered by Middle Tennessee Electric. MTE's EV Car Club has hundreds of members and growing. EV owners, enthusiasts, and anyone interested in learning more about electric vehicles is encouraged to sign up at mte.com slash evcarclub. Hi, this is Amanda from Animal City. We need to be especially mindful to protect our pets from fleas and ticks. Here at Animal City, we carry a variety of products to keep your dog and cat safe. In addition to products that will directly protect your pet, we carry a variety of items to keep your home safe as well. Here at Animal City, we would like to thank Murfreesboro for letting us be your family-owned and operated pet store for 33 years. You can find us at Animal City at 919 Northwest Broad. Hi, this is Peter Demas. Join our family at Demas' Restaurant. So many people buy so many different things. You know, I go out to eat and I like eating steak. My wife will end up getting our salmon. Our salmon is cut fresh, so she loves our salmon. It's one of those places that you can go. You can get pastas or chicken. You know, the kids love it. Get what you want at Demas's Restaurant and not be limited just to one or two items. Join our family at Demas's Restaurant, 1115 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Good morning. Still heavy right now on 24 through the Hickory Hollow area. All this traffic still coming out of Rutherford County headed towards Davidson on 24 westbound. A little bit of radar earlier on 840 around Sulphur Springs. Just watch yourself. 840 especially continuing over towards Wilson County. Princess Hot Chicken is catering. They're online. Check out the menu at princesshotchicken.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. We'll see a few scattered showers and thunderstorms possible late this afternoon with partial sunshine developing a high in the mid-80s. Tonight, chance for rain and storms alone near 64. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 65. Hi, this is Gator with Tire World Off-Road. We're your local rough country dealer. So when you're ready to add some character to your rig, ask for Gator at Tire World Off-Road on Memorial Boulevard. This is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street, online at tireworld.us. Rutherford Issues with Brian Barrett, hitting right at what matters most to all of us here in the heart of Tennessee. Weekday mornings at 10 on WGNS, AM, FM, and online. Welcome back. Our phone number, if you have a question you want to text us, 615-893-1450. John Day, local attorney, is with us this morning answering your questions about not only swimming pools, but any features, water features, that could present problems uh, to the health and welfare of children in the community. Now, I guess it could go beyond children. It could be adults, too. There, yeah, there's, there's uh, no doubt that... Um, Adults can drown just like children. In the United States last year, it was 250 children under the age of three drowned. Um, so there, that's the th- a lot of the regulations are designed to prevent injuries to children. Uh, that's what the fences are for because people know that little kids are are attracted to water. I, they, sure, a 16-year-old kid. Uh, or a group of 16-year-old kids more likely can climb over a fence and get into your pool. Uh, But quite frankly, your risk of being successfully sued in that type of case are pretty dang remote, right? Because there is somebody who presumably at the age of 16 should know better and is knowingly 
climbing over a safety device and accessing premises that he knows he's not supposed to be on. So the age and mentality of the person has a lot to do with it. It has a whole lot to do with it because each person has a responsibility to exercise reasonable care for their own safety. And if you're 14 years or older in Tennessee, you are presumed to be exercised the same reasonable care as would an adult under the circumstances. If you're under seven, nobody expects that. The law doesn't expect it. It's presumed that you cannot be at fault in a situation because you're three or you're four or whatever. So a 16-year-old, let me put it this way, a 16-year-old person who climbs over a residential fence to get into somebody else's pool and drowns while they're drinking beer or smoking pot, I, I probably couldn't help them on that matter. <laughs> well, here's this this one is an interesting one. This person says uh, that they have a uh, building that's two stories tall and has a ladder uh, on the outside, a vertical ladder uh, attached to the wall, so they can go and work on the roof or do whatever they need to. Uh, what do they need to do to? make that safer uh, and they said it's several feet above uh, above the ground so you'd have to I guess have some way to get up to it yes uh, uh, the first question I ask is there a fence or anything else around the property that restricts access to the building let's assume that there's not then the question is is the ladder accessible to children under the age of 14 in other words, is the way that they can, is it low enough to the ground that a, a, a child under the age of 14 can have, can get access to the ladder and then climb on the roof? If it's not, if it's, it's, it's would require an adult to get to the ladder or a 14 year old person or older, the risk there is relatively low, right? Because although I think there's this, an argument that can be made that Kids are going to climb and see, get a view, and there's a risk there. If the ladder's that high, them succeeding at that is relatively low. I do know that there are devices you can put on ladders to restrict the ability to climb that you can lock and unlock. I've seen those uh, before. And if there's been some sort of indication that kids have done this, or if it's low enough that they might do it, I would look into seeing if one of those devices are available and maybe installing that to reduce the risk, but still allow access to the roof for a proper purpose. That's a good point. So uh, be sure and, and do these things and do it uh, before you have a problem. Well, as I said, a, a, a fence at the top of the hill rather than an ambulance at the bottom. It's, yeah. It just it, it just makes sense. Not not just from a financial standpoint. I mean, I think too often we talk about it in that way, but also from a peace of mind standpoint. I mean, there's going to be somebody tonight who's listening to this show, who's got a koi pond in their backyard, who's going to toss and turn when they put their head on the pillow, right? <laughs> I don't want that to happen. No. Now, I, but, but if this makes them think about it, say, let's see, how, what can I do this weekend to try to improve safety here, because I've caught my neighbor's kids sneaking over here. There's no fence around the property and looking at the fish. What can I do to make this a little bit safer to reduce the risk that that's going to happen? And 
if so, this uh, it's been a w- very worthwhile morning oh, for yeah. all of us, right? Now, the magic age is 14, is that right? It's called the rule of sevens. So if you're seven and younger, uh, younger you're presumed to be incapable of fault. If you are between seven and 14, it is, you are, um, there is a presumption that you're incapable of fault, but that presumption can be overcome with the showing of appropriate evidence. If you're 14 and over, you're presumed to be capable of fault. So that's the rule of sevens. Okay, so be aware of that. Of course, you never know who's going to wander into your yard. Wait a minute, how old are you? Well, (laughs) you're not allowed. Yeah, don't check IDs. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, a fence is a good, even if it's a koi pond, a fence around the property is important. Well, it it may be important. it certainly would help, right? But the, the the question is reasonableness. Once again, where's your koi pond? Do you live uh, out uh, two miles outside Woodbury on forty acres, and you got a koi pond in your backyard? Mm. Chances are, if that's true, your biggest risk is to your children or grandchildren, or the children of the people who visit your home. So reasonable care may well require less in that circumstance. Because if they're, if they're going to have little kids there that's part of people that's in your family or your known visitors, you'll be sitting by the koi pond or sitting on the deck looking at the koi pond. And if kids start wandering, you can monitor them. It's different. Reasonableness is, requires something different if you live in a subdivision where everybody's got quarter-acre lots, Right. Sure. Yeah, right. and you've got a neighborhood full of kids. So you're at the end of a cul-de-sac, and every house has two big wheels. It's a different feel and requires something different. This is the beauty of the law, the common law, this duty of reasonableness, because it takes into account the circumstances. It's not an ironclad rule. Thou shalt do this all the time. Now we, we we understand that there are different circumstances, and therefore we look at the circumstances, require the property owner or business to look at the circumstances, and make an educated judgment about what's reasonable. And it's the jury or a judge that determine ultimately whether it was reasonable or not. Here's a text from a listener who lives in a rural area, but it may apply also to uh, people. There, there may be a situation. They say that they have uh, some cave entrances on their property, and they know that those caves are dangerous, potentially, if a child could uh, walk up to them and accidentally fall into it. Uh, this whole area, though, you don't have to live in a rural area to have a cave entrance. There are cave entrances here in the downtown area. If you happen to have one of those, what do you do? Is that a, I mean, that's a natural disaster, I guess. It wasn't something you made. Right. There's, there is a law and I, it's called the recreational use statute. And it creates a high level of protection for people who are injured on the property of another from natural type hazards. So uh, 
if uh, let's let's assume you've got 40 acres and you got a cave on the back 10 acre corner of the property um and somebody gets into that cave and it either collapses on them or they fall down a hole they couldn't see because it was dark your risk of having a lawsuit uh filed against you and being successful in that case is extremely low and the reason is this recreational use statute gives protections to landowners in that situation. If Then the other question is, despite what the law says, and you may be able to avoid uh, successful litigation, what's reasonable under the circumstances? What can you do to help you sleep better if you know that people are back there trying to explore? I mean... Where I grew up in southwest, uh, where I went to college in southwest Wisconsin, there's a lot of old lead mines in southwest Wisconsin. It was in the 1800s, late 1800s, and in fact, on into the 1900s. What they've done there is they've put up a gate. Basically, they've blocked the entrance so that you can't get in there. Now, that requires expense. You know, it's 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 a, it's a question of what can you live with, what can you... Uh, reasonably do uh, but the law gives a lot of protection in that circumstances to what I'll call uh, uh, nature made hazards here's another question this one says I can't believe nobody's brought this up but we have a swimming pool and my husband is always concerned about the diving board he's even talked about getting rid of it is a diving board a danger a potential lawsuit it uh, it is a potential lawsuit. For, first of all, I mean, <laughs> it, there's a, there's a potential lawsuit under all sorts of circumstances, right? So you can there's the old joke is, pardon my language. I don't think this is a bad word. You can sue the Pope for bastardy, <laughs> right? <laughs> is the the old joke? Of course yeah, you can. Yeah. But let's talk about meritorious claims. Um, would I have a swimming pool, would I have a diving board in a swimming pool in my backyard? I don't have a swimming pool, but would I have one? It would depend on the depth of the water. So the biggest risks from diving boards is uh, uh, quadriplegia secondary to diving into too shallow water. So would I have a diving board in a pool that was five feet deep? No, I wouldn't. Why? Because there's a very, there's a greatly increased risk that somebody's going to go in at the wrong angle, not have their hands out in front of them and break their neck. If I had a swing pool with 10 feet of water and the diving board was just three feet above the water, not talking about a high platform diving board, would I have one uh, low? I wouldn't worry about it if the water was that deep because quite frankly, um, you're not uh, the the risk of hitting your head and breaking your neck is extremely extremely low in those circumstances. Uh, so, I, I don't know enough about the swimming pool to say whether or not I'd keep it there. But I've given you two examples where I would and I would not. And hopefully, there would whoever puts the pool together for you, uh, they will give you some good advice. Yeah, and, and if you call the city codes, would they have information like this? I, I don't know if the city codes say anything about diving boards, quite frankly. I can't. I don't know that off the top of my head. I, I have the swimming pool regulations with me, but I, what I have with me does not address uh, diving boards. 
But I think dang near, uh, let me put it to you this way. I did buy a diving board. And, um, and I, because I have a, a cabin on Tim's Ford Lake and I put it on my dock. And the instructions that came with that diving board made it perfectly clear that thou shalt not use this diving board in an area where there's low water. So that you'll get some help from, I don't know if the city can help on that. I'm, I'm sorry, I don't know that. But the diving board uh, instructions come with that in any responsible pool dealer. I am confident will tell you don't put a diving board if you've only got five or six feet of water. Okay, and if you're on a lake, that water, if it's a TVA lake, would fluctuate. It and it does on uh, it does on our lake, and in fact, in the winter, uh, our dock is on the ground. But what I do in the winter, first of all, you're not diving in the winter. I'm not diving, and I also <laughs> cover the diving board to make it perfectly clear that it's not open for use. So, right. But in the in this in right now, uh, it's 14 feet deep off the end of the diving board, and I've seen it in the winter. I know there's no stumps or blocks or concrete or anything down there that presents a hazard. So, trying your best. And and being aware of the surroundings, uh, if you can document that you did all, and I guess maybe should you document that you've checked all around? Well, I guess it wouldn't hurt, although most, you know, most non-commercial folks, businesses will do that sometimes, but most people don't. But just thinking about it will usually be enough because you'll identify things that you, quite frankly, may have glossed over otherwise. Here's a question. We're about to begin uh, the vacation season. We'll be traveling all around. Sometimes we stay at uh, really nice places, and sometimes it's uh, just places that have been around for a good while, and they have not been kept up as well as they should, but there's nothing else available. It's all full. Uh, So if we go to a place that has a questionable swimming pool, uh, what should we should we be concerned about whether or not they've made the pool safe? Well, many times you can look at the pool and see whether it's safe. By that I mean um, you can uh, determine whether the, the water depth is as indicated on the side of the pool. And if there's a diving board, is, is there a deep portion where it's 8, 10 feet deep? You know, something like that. Um there's two things to be concerned with in those type of commercial pools. Number one, do the lights work? The lights, do the lights, the swimming the pool lights, lights in the pool. In the pool. So, I tried a, a, a wrongful death case where a girl drowned, 15 years old, black female, in the Holiday Inn at Trinity Lane. It's not there anymore. I tried the case in '84 or '85. I can't remember exactly the year but their pool lights had been out for 27 or 28 days i can't remember the exact number today it's almost 30 years ago uh but the pool lights had been out so what happens when mom and dad get off the road with a car full of screaming kids (laughs) at the end of a long day what do the kids want to do they want to get in the water they want to get in the water right and mom and dad are more than happy to get him in the water. And in fact, there's a reason why they put pools and motels and hotels, right? It's an attraction to families. So this uh, mom and dad stopped and um, they got there about eight o'clock, first night there, and something happened to this young girl in the water and 
they found her later hmm. because they, they couldn't see her get into trouble and they couldn't see her on the bottom because the pool, no she, lights no lights they didn't even realize there weren't any lights this was a, a family of a very modest income from louisville they hadn't stayed in that many motels there were lights around the outs the the edge of the pool um and um they just they didn't see her go get in trouble and they didn't find her until it was too late so i would insist that there be lights on in the pool if i was going to let my children swim at night the other risk and quite frankly there's not much you can do about this other than ask is the drain in the bottom of the pool those drains in a commercial pool a big pool like that have a huge uh, amount of suction sucking water in and hair and body parts can get stuck into that and pull you down and you can drown so there's a federal law that was passed in 2004 that requires certain safety devices around these drains to protect against that suctioning effect. This is a, believe it or not, the lawyer who brought the case that resulted in that law being changed because a little girl drowned uh, was John Edwards. And we all remember John Edwards was a senator from North Carolina who ran for president of the United States and then had some issues. (laughs) But that was the case that brought attention to the problems with uh, the the suctioning effect of these pool drains. So you can't, there's no way you can tell whether there's a proper safety device. If you're particularly concerned about it, you could ask the hotel management or you can just advise your kids, stay away from that drain. You can see it and the water's clear. Stay away from that drain. Don't get down there. Our phone number is 615-893-1450. John Day, local attorney, is our guest this morning. We're talking about safety, not only pool safety, all types of water safety, things of that sort. We're moving into the summer weather and some things you need to be aware of. We're going to sort of uh, go over some of these pool safety items When we come back, it'll be the final segment of our broadcast. So if you have just put in a swimming pool, or maybe you've uh, had one for a few months or a year, and maybe it got installed toward the end of last year, and you really haven't used it yet, uh, there's some things you may want to consider. We'll be right back. This is Chip Walters, and I'll have Middle Tennessee football and basketball games for you right here. MTSU Sports on WGNS AM, FM, online. Hi, this is Jenny at Ryan Flowers Coffee and Gifts. Give your family and friends something else to feast their eyes upon when they sit at your dinner table. Ryan Flowers would love to create a beautiful centerpiece for your table. Flowers from Ryan's Flowers Coffee and Gifts makes any occasion more special. Ryan Flowers Coffee and Gifts, 117 South Academy, just a couple blocks off the square. Plus, we offer delivery to all Rutherford County and as well as surrounding counties. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. 
Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Hi, this is Tina Fox at the Rutherford Farmers Co-op. Please come and see us for all your garden needs. We have everything you need to help that garden grow. And we also have what you need for landscaping and your lawns. We have black and brown mulch in bulk. Please come see us. And as always, don't forget us for all your gifts, clothing, and pet needs. This is Tina Fox. Your co-op farm and home center is located at 985 Middle Tennessee Boulevard, just off of South Church. Hey, fellas, need an annual health exam for work or just to start the year prioritizing your health? I recommend Low T Center to get your complete health assessment. They check all your levels, not just your testosterone. Typically, it's completely covered by most health insurance, and if you don't have insurance, it's less than 100 bucks for full labs and an office visit with the provider. Low T Center specializes in men's health, making it quick and easy. Go to LowTCenter.com now to book your appointment online. Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. Good morning. Still heavy right now on 24 up through the Hickory Hollow area. All this traffic still coming out of Rutherford County headed towards Davidson on 24 westbound. A little bit of radar earlier on 840 around Sulphur Springs. Just watch yourself. 840 especially continuing over towards Wilson County. Princess Hot Chicken is catering. They're online. Check out the menu at princesshotchicken.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. We're News Radio WGNS 100.5, 101.9, 1450, online and on your phone at WGNSRadio.com. Local attorney John Day is with us, and we're talking about safety, uh, keeping the kids. I, I was going to say our, we're talking about ways to avoid lawsuits, but we're really talking about ways to keep young people safe. Yeah, exactly. I think it's it's uh, the pillow test, right? right? Can you put your head on the pillow at night and live with the decisions you make? And heaven forbid, if you make a mistake and somebody gets hurt, you have to live with that too. Forever. What I try to tell my kids, yeah. you know, they're driving. I said, listen, if you hurt somebody making a mistake in a car, you have to live with that. And heaven forbid, if you kill somebody, I mean, I, I just... I can't imagine living with that and and trying to figure out how to move forward the next day and and that helps me make sure I don't look at my phone when I'm driving down the road and that helps me put get if I'm getting down the interstate I put on the cruise control and I go 70 miles an hour and I just say take some time I do not want to have my conscience burdened by the fact that I've hurt somebody or or worse killed them and and you would worry about it. Everybody would worry well, about it. I think all but the worst people in the world would worry about it, right? I Very mean, I think and there there are some people who wouldn't worry about it, but I think most people try to do the right thing. Many times they're not educated about what the right thing is. And the purpose of, of this type of show is to make people sit back and think, hmm, what can I do? To reduce the risk of this happening on my property because I don't want to live with the consequence of that. And isn't that the purpose of the law? At the end of the day, it's to, and the reason why I'm honored to come on to shows like this and talk about this is because at the end of the day, the goal of education about the law and the legal system is 
to prevent injuries, to prevent the anguish that goes with contributing to cause somebody's. That's what that's what it's about. That's what the system is about: is to hold accountability, not just accountability, but to prevent future things from occurring. So, so and that's the part you need to listen to again and again. Thank goodness for podcast. If you listen to what John just said. That will help you direct what your next action should be. And this morning we've covered swimming pools. We've covered fountains. I never would have thought about fountains. Koi ponds, farthest thing from my (laughs) mind this morning. Uh, Retention ponds. Uh, Most, uh, I guess all of the new neighborhoods have some retention pond areas. Those are often not fenced in. And they're often not a problem unless they have water in them. (laughs) <laughs> and that's when they're doing their job. So, right, right. Uh, be aware of those things. If you have a big retention pond and there's no fence around it in your neighborhood, what should you do? Well, I, uh, my guess is if the local ordinances or regulations require it, there is a fence around I have a retention pond in my neighborhood, two of them, in fact, and they are fences around them. And so I think a, a, a lot of them do particularly if there's a lot of density in the neighborhood. If there's not one, I would pay attention to how often that thing fills up, how deep does it get, and there's an indication that kids are getting in there and exposing themselves to harm. And then, you know, maybe the Homeowners Association needs to sit down and talk about it. If people have questions, where's a good place to get in touch with you or somebody from your firm? Oh, they, you know, well, we're just uh, right here in town across from the hospital uh, on Medical Center Parkway, and our telephone number is 867-9900. So remember, John Day Law Firm, and John or some of the other folks are over there to help you, and they really do a great job of helping you, too. Thank you very much, Bob. John, thank you for joining us this morning. Stay with us. Much more to come right here on your good neighbor station, WGNS, Murfreesboro.